Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the NFL Week 9 strategy slash review show slash we're going to break all the things down. The Millie Maker, we're going to talk the winning lineup from that one right off the bat. Then we're going to jump to the slant because it's being a little funky looking at some of the Millie Maker stuff. Uh, it's just simply not uploading the way that we want it to. So we're going to go to the slant a little bit by default. I think we're going to probably make the shift over to the Millie Maker for sure starting next week. I will be on the stream post-wedding uh, on that Monday for sure before I take off. But you guys don't care about that. What you care about is us breaking down some NFL lineups from yesterday and the guy who's going to help us do it. That's Adam Share. He's at Ship My Money DFS. He's maker of money. He is uh what is it head-to-head champion of the world pretty much at this point uh except for the days that you don't you get absolutely blasted but hey adam share how you doing my dude doing doing pretty good excited to talk about the absolute bloodbath of a slate that yesterday was uh just really really excited to talk about everything that went wrong it always feels really good yeah you know you're probably right about something. And that's when we spend as much time as we do looking at a slate and going over a slate. There's really no reason that I'm not playing cash every week, but this week for NFL, I just kind of decided that this is what I'm going to do because tournaments I thought were really, really difficult. The more we looked into it and I'm very fascinated looking at some of these exposures. What were you, what were some of your first early takeaways uh, in the aftermath of yesterday? Uh, everything I did was wrong. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there was there wasn't. I, I honestly didn't even pay a lot of attention to the slate because it just there was never anything for any reason for me to like start paying attention. Normally, it's you know I get my lineups in and I keep an eye out on you know what lineups start to do well, and then I have a rooting interest you know in those lineups until it changes or whatever. That's kind of just how I approach football. Plus, I was at my mom's, and so I wasn't just like sitting around watching Red Zone all day. Uh, so I didn't even end up paying a lot of attention to what was going on during out during the day because. My teams all just sucked. Um, I was paying attention to Hollywood Brown, who I just noticed immediately was like 28% owned in the Millie. I had no idea why. Um, like I understood why he was a good play, but I didn't understand why he was so much more popular than guys like Higgins and Landry and, and other players in that price range. So I was paying attention when he went from 10 to 23 points in overtime. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, nothing really stood out other than like just there was so much bad football yesterday. It's a lot of bad football. I thought that there were a lot of bad lineups around too, uh, just from a cash perspective, from tournaments. It was, it was just a really difficult slate though. And I think that that's kind of going to be the main takeaway we have from that. It was hard to really land on things. I, I will say the winner, uh, if we look at the winner of the Millie maker right off the bat said, I was going to our Bradley 23. Congratulations to him. Well done. Justin Herbert pa- uh, pairing him with Keenan Allen. And then, you would just expect, you would just kind of expect that the run back, Devonta Smith, who went completely nuts, would be there. Of course not. Just a single stack, nothing else added in the middle there. And then Nick Chubb, Zach Moss, the, Jalen Waddle, Keelan Allen, uh, Malcolm Brown went nuts. The whole key to the entire slate was 5.8% James Conner. You won a million dollars if you played James Conner. And then I guess there were a lot of defenses that put up 17, 18 points as well. Dolphins, Browns. Uh, we had Chiefs who put up 11 at Super Chalk at 2300 and that ended up working out the Patriots 20 points of defense Uh, congratulations on that Millie maker Uh, again how does Zach Moss end up in a winning Millie maker lineup I mean I think I had a little bit yesterday I don't think I went crazy with that I don't actually know what I had I know I saw him in some of my lineups so like he was okay as far as you know I think like a pay down option but Clearly, I don't think anybody was was expecting a big game out of him. But like you're like you're saying, he got hurt partway through the game. So uh, pretty, it, it kind of speaks to just how crazy yesterday's slate was. How like 
nobody or, or most players didn't really have big games. And so if you happen to avoid a lot of those landmines, you can, you have a little bit more, uh, more leeway for, for something like, you know, a cheap Zach Moss to not actually do well. Can we talk about this in the context of the way people think about DFS and the way DFS actually is? Why do people care so much about points scored? Like, I see people in chat all the time talk about, oh, I put up 360 points in NBA and I didn't cash last night. Well, yeah, because the chalk went completely bonkers and the differentiation pieces that you probably needed weren't there or there was one piece of chalk that didn't go nuts or something like that. And in NFL like this, when you have some of the chalk that just lays flat, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about all of the running back failure that existed, not named Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon for sure. Um, But Like for me, it's just like the chalk didn't go off. So you're going to see lower scoring and there wasn't a game that was over 50 total. So you're going to see lower scoring as well. Right. Yeah. um, I typically, you know, as I think for most tournament players that, that, you know, make money and play consistently, I think the general consensus is probably that it's that, that like on high scoring slates, you're less likely to win just because it means that, the popular players are doing well. And so there's more teams to compete with um, on a slate like yesterday, it was still really hard to win because the second and third best plays also didn't do well. Uh, so it's not like, you know, the, the best plays that everyone else is playing sucked. And then your contrarian players get there with the second and third best guys. Everybody just, just sucked. So yesterday was just hard in general to win, but uh, yeah, like it's like, like you were saying the total points doesn't matter at all. It's, you know, the, the same players are available to everybody. So if you scored, 380 points and you didn't cash you shouldn't be like patting yourself on the back saying oh you know unlucky scored 380 i did really well uh clearly you know you just still didn't do very well because there were so many other points available yeah i'd rather just have none of the chalk go off and have it but still have it be low scoring and win money than the opposite you know oh my lineups were great uh i scored really high but i lost money that's not the point we're trying to win relative to the slate that's all I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way on the front end because it just seems like something that's popping up more and more into NBA as well. And NFL, I think it's pretty applicable on this week. Again, Zach Moss with his 4.4. Uh, it's not that Zach Moss, I, I didn't think he was a bad play against Jacksonville. You got to expect that he's going to be getting, uh, I, I don't know. The, what is that outcome for the Bills to score six points against Jacksonville in this spot? Like, like bottom 5%? Yeah, bottom 5% for sure. So Zach Moss... I think was fine, but uh, everything else right there, Nick Chubb, you needed that. There's no doubt about that. Uh, even Mike Jasicki, tight end, wasn't even hit. That James Conner piece, 5.8% is shocking to me that, that he even ended up that high. Yeah, I was really surprised he was that popular. Um, you know, like I understand it in the sense that he's sharing time basically with Chase Edmonds and he was cheap. There weren't a ton of, of good cheap running back options, but uh, yeah, I was surprised that he was nearly 6% owned. All right. Well, I mean, that's the Millie Maker, of course. Uh, We will be reviewing more and more of the Millie Maker here as we get going. But I think for the time being here, while while everything's getting updated on Cruncher 4, we're going to head over to the slant. That's going to be kind of where we where we focus, that's where we've been focused for the first nine weeks of the season. We'll make the shift over next week to the Millie. But as we get over there, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. That way you can know when all the content here at Awesome is going live. I'm excited to talk about this slate mainly because it's a lot of learning lessons that we can kind of take away from it. But looking at the top end, high fiver, high fiver. He was a 150 guy, 61 caches, ended up making just a little uh, over 15 K there. Uh, obviously he had the takedown that'll get it done for you for sure. 
Um, but I want to talk about the plays. We always start a little bit more uh, so focused on which plays were popular uh, and then kind of going from there. Ezekiel Elliott right off the top. I don't really know what to say about this play because I thought he was good the more and more. I don't know if it was like a group think idea that got there for me a little bit, but Ezekiel Elliott playing over 70% of the snaps for a team, you know, with a 30 implied total. By, I will say my favorite defense for tournaments at bottom 1% was Denver. I just didn't think that just removing Von Miller was like apocalyptic for them. Of course, they went out and won the game flat out there too. And my favorite parlay of the entire day that I had a lot of was the money line Denver with the money line of the Vikings. I'm going to stop talking because I hate life. Talk to me about Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, he was just cheap. It was a spot where, like you said, uh, Dallas had a 30 uh, team total. The game was at 50. They were favored. Everything just set up well for him. The price tag was was reasonable. Uh, still, you know, I ended up a little bit under the field. Plenty of other good tournament players ended up over the field. Uh, he was just a, a good option. And again, you had th- this slate was just weird too. You know, Josh and I talked about it a lot yesterday. There wasn't a lot that really stood out. Like a lot of times, you have you'll have a situation where it's you know like oh Zeke looks good, but you know I also really need to get to Derrick Henry, or I really need to get to Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey or whatever. Obviously, um, you know Kamara was on the slate, and we'll talk about him at some point, but uh, he wasn't a huge priority. You don't have Derrick Henry, you don't have Christian McCaffrey. There just wasn't. And even at the bottom of the running back position, there weren't really, there were good plays, but there weren't like Alexander Madison without Dalvin Cook type values that are going to take up a a lineup spot. So this was a week that I think was just conducive for some of these mid-range running backs really getting a lot of ownership that maybe they wouldn't have gotten in previous weeks. Zeke projected as one of the best options. The ownership was was high, but it's not like it was crazy. We had him projected at about 19%. He actually ended up in the slant coming in at about 30%. Uh, but yeah, it just, you know, it made sense. It, it was a high ceiling play. It was a relatively high floor play. Uh, Dallas was in a good spot. It just, it, it, it was a sense, a play that made a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it was fine. And, you know, right. It's hard to really add anything else to that. But Austin Eckler, I got to say, <laughs> did you see his Millie Maker ownership? No, I didn't. 41% was the number oh, wow. that we had for Austin Eckler. Um, I believe that that was the number because I was in a group chat. You know, Greg, a bunch of other guys, Ryan, uh, we were chatting back and forth about different stuff. And uh, Austin Eckler was north of that by quite a ways. Uh, a guy asked me if he needed to pivot off Austin Eckler and cash. He didn't play Lamar Jackson in cash. So I was saying, yes, you should probably do that. And he's like, nah, I'll stay pat with it. 57% on Austin Eckler in like the big double up stuff. So uh, I will say, uh, wow, Austin Eckler. I loved him as a play thinking that he was going to be projected around 16.2%, which is what I believe we had him for. He ended up 29.3% even in this tournament. It feels like we have to kind of over project some of these guys, whether it's McCaffrey going forward from now, especially seeing that McCaffrey actually had a decent enough workload in his first game back. I wasn't going to play him yesterday at all. I, I know that the guys had talked a little bit on the live before lock show about him where it could have been a spot where he came back in full strength, but I, I didn't feel like that was likely, but going forward, maybe he's going to be somebody to, to project that way. But Austin Eckler and him kind of look at the same way Alvin Kamara now, especially if you're going to have, you know, a little bit more pass friendly offense that might help him out a little bit. We can look at him that way, but um, Austin Eckler, 29.3%. What do you think about that? Yeah. So that was a spot where I, I ended up, I think, yeah, I, I was under the field. I had about 19% looking, you know, at, at most of the, the good 3% players over the field on the projected ownership. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I think that's, you know, like you were saying, it, it is a situation we saw it in several spots where 
it just seems like the 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 ownership projections were pretty flat but the field took the approach where they just jammed in you know like guys that projected slightly better whether it be Zeke whether it be Hollywood Brown who was almost 30% in the million maker he was 21% in the slant uh we'll talk about that one I have a lot to say there but it just seemed like the field kind of went crazy with uh, the the slightly better options which I thought was weird because I just thought this slate had a lot of coin flip type plays where you know yeah maybe I like Eckler I like Zeke a little bit more than I like I don't I don't know uh um Joe Mixon or something like that but you know the range of outcomes is just very similar across the board and so I think what you'll see in situations like that is the better tournament players kind of flatten out their exposures to those guys and pull back a little bit on the more popular ones, push up the ones that are getting less ownership because they recognize that the range of outcomes is so similar and you get, you know, newer or less experienced or just less good players jam in the guys whose median projection is slightly better, even though all they're really doing is prioritizing the most popular player out of a, uh, group of very very similar plays so that's typically where i think you see the biggest gap show up between like profitable good tournament players and and, and players who aren't a, as good um so you know a spot like that eckler it's not about what you think of him as a play unless you think that he is just for some reason you know far and away the best play then by all means like you should be playing a lot of him but assuming that you have some reasonable take on eckler it doesn't come down to like being really nitpicky and being you know like oh uh, I really like the way he matches up on this linebacker or whatever. It's taking a step back typically and saying, okay, there's five other guys around him that can very easily beat him or have the same game as him and are getting lower ownership. So that's why you're going to see a lot of, of better players kind of pull back a little bit on, on players like Eckler that are this popular. Who's the player that you said that you have a lot to say about just so Hollywood. I can put it. Who? Hollywood. Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, very excited for that one because I, I don't remember a time. And again, it's not like it was us or anybody else. I have never been that shocked by a player's rostership ownership in my entire life uh, for sure. And obviously he's a little bit lower down here, uh, not by much, but we've got some other guys to talk about here first. And of course, Jordan Klein, you're in that group chat too. I'm sorry, baby. I get so scared sometimes scared of being a nobody. Um, that's happy. You know, more for everybody involved. Here we go. We're going to continue on. <laughs> I know Adam loves waking up every single morning and doing the show with me as I'm quoting every Adam Sandler movie known to man. But at least I've you know. seen Adam Sandler movies. Oh, that's right. Hop over here. Happy will give you a kissy kiss. Smoochy smooch. All right. Let's <laughs> I wanna kiss you all over. A little bit of that. Here we go. All right. Tyree killed the next guy on the board, 23.6%. And this was the conundrum I thought for cash on DK and it was a puzzle and I loved the puzzle. And that's why I was kind of like, Oh, I'm going to definitely jump over and play cash wide receiver was garbage. It was completely impossible. Other than Hunter Renfro. Uh, I didn't really know what else I wanted to be doing at the position. And then Jarvis Landry showed up once you get Odell Beckham released later in the week. And then it was hard to figure out how to prioritize him. And then Kadarius Tony could have been the only wide receiver alive for the giants. And I was like, how do I kind of prioritize him in the slate? And then T Higgins, who has such a large target share, he's continually underpriced. I wanted to play him, but Tyree kill was kind of the spend up, but he kind of made you get away from Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, some of the running backs you really wanted to be playing there. Tyree kill looking at you again, another sharp play by you being under the field there. What was kind of the decision-making there? I think it was a lot of what you were saying. The, 
the mid-range wide receivers, I thought, gave you a really high ceiling. Obviously, they didn't really come through, but being able to save a bunch of money and go to T. Higgins, being able to save a bunch of money going to Amari Cooper or Jarvis Landry, uh, those were guys that I all you know that that I had a lot of. Um, just made it so you know Cole Beasley, Hunter Renfro, uh, Jalen Waddle. There, there were just a, I thought a lot of good mid-range receivers. Obviously, they don't give you the same raw point ceiling that Tyreek Hill does, but they allowed me to get some other solid payup options into my lineups that I thought gave me a really high ceiling as well. So I just naturally ended up a little bit under the field on Hill. You know, again, it wasn't anything disliking Hill or thinking Hill wasn't going to have a good game. It's just that, uh, and I also had a lot of Stefan Diggs in that price point because I played a lot more Josh Allen than Patrick Mahomes. So it was just something where he didn't really fit and, and in, in my builds that easily. And to what you were saying about cash, uh, he was in consideration for me in cash as well. He was in some of the lineups that, that I looked at, but it really just kind of came back to prioritizing floor a little bit. I was fully aware that if Ty, that Tyreek Hill was, was capable of going out and just like wrecking my day, if he had a big game, but I just kind of kept looking at it and saying, you know, I, I ended up basically, if I played Hill, I, I wouldn't have had Camara. I don't think is what it was. Um, and I just kind of kept looking at it saying, you're like, okay, you know, I don't love Kamara today. You have Hill, you have Taysom Hill back, you have, you know, Ingram there. I don't love Kamara, but it's not like Tyreek Hill is some really high floor guy either, uh, especially with the way Mahomes is playing and, you know, all of that. And so I ended up just saying, you know what, I'd rather just go. I went Renfro, Cooper, Landry at wide receiver, um, obviously mixed results there, but it just felt like. I think I was giving up like a point or so in projection, but it felt like getting to Camara over Hill just gave me a higher floor. I'm an old soul, Benny Levine. I'm an old soul. That's the only answer. Um, that's all I have to say for myself. But yeah, Tyreek Hill, I'm definitely in agreement with about everything that you had to say there. Also the boom bust tool. I mean, we got to be looking at some of these chalk plays. Like who else were you going to be spending up for at wide receiver? Devontae Adams with Jordan Love? <laughs> I think not. Actually, I would probably prefer it at their current ownership or at what their final ownership ended up being to probably go the Devontae Adams route, but uh, maybe not. I'm not sure. Mari Cooper, you brought him up as well. He was questionable coming in. He was fine. He was way underpriced. He underperformed. There's no way around it. I thought, again, it's not that I, I, I think I hated the wide receiver play because there were so many mid 5k plays that I wanted to play and you kind of had to trim down that list and figure out what to do. I ended up splitting lineup, so I'm a coward anyway, but Hunter Renfro, uh, looking at him, 4,800, Darren Waller, Darren Waller. I know that this is, we're supposed to be talking about somebody like Hunter Renfro here in this spot. And I will say he ended up less popular as the week went on than what I was expecting. People were kind of steaming up Darren Waller, but isn't Darren Waller supposed to be good at football? Yeah, that's what I keep being told, and then I keep losing money. Um, I, I played a lot of him this week. This was actually – I think I was – yeah, I was talking to you about it. This was one of the first weeks where I actually had a decent amount of lineups with two tight ends, and it's something Josh and I had been asked on the show yesterday morning and we talked about. And I said that I didn't want to do it with, like, two cheap tight ends, but if it was somebody – if one of the tight ends was somebody like Pitts or Kelsey or Waller, I thought it was okay last uh, – I thought it was okay because they at least give you that similar upside to, to wide receivers. And so I ended up getting quite a bit of Waller where, you know, you had Hunter Renfro projected for a lot of ownership. Uh, you had Waller projected for some as well, but it just, you know, I thought gave me a little bit higher ceiling and, and, and you know, obviously the tight end position, the opportunity cost, not quite as high as wide receiver either, where you're not playing two tight ends. So um, I, I had a lot of Darren Waller. It did not 
it, it almost worked out really well on that last drive. He got like 40 yards and three catches, almost got the 100 yard bonus, but had like two red zone targets too that were just yeah. thrown wildly, wildly over. Yeah, uh, it was just, you know, his price tag came down too. Like the, the ceiling was there. He just still didn't get to it. Yeah, he sucks. No, he doesn't suck. He's sober. That helps. It's got to be helpful. It's probably better than playing from playing full drone, I would assume. But uh, I like Darren Waller very much as a person. Seems like he's somebody that's pretty easy to cheer for. But stop ruining my life. Stop ruining my life. That's all I have to say. Be better. Be better at football. Hunter Renfro, though. Yeah, he went completely uh, 17.9 at 4,600. That was, or 4,800 over on DK. That was a, that was a nice number for him to finish up with. All right. We've entered the Hollywood Brown portion of the program again, 28%. I had no idea. And if you had played this slate out and you had just blindly told me to guess ownerships, I probably would have been within 10% of just about everybody. I would have been off on Hollywood Brown by like 15%. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I tweeted about it right at lock. And like, typically I'm not like, I, there's definitely people that go on Twitter and it's like, oh, how was so-and-so so low owned or vice versa? And like, normally I don't do that. But the reason I tweeted about Brown was just like, it caught me so off guard. You know, we had him projected at 10%. I could see, you know, maybe that rising a bit when you got the news that Harrison Smith was out, you know, Vikings defense is banged up. You also had Sammy Watkins out. All of that made Brown look better, but it was such a deep price point, like, you had, you still had Amari Cooper. You still had Higgins. You had Landry. You had Tony. You had uh, Rondell Moore. You had Brandon Cooks. Uh, you had Jalen Waddle. You know, th- there were just so many wide receivers that when I saw ho- uh, Hollywood Brown's ownership, it was just like, what the hell are people doing? Because I understand he's a good play, but he should not be almost three times the ownership of like all of these other guys. Uh, just, you know, again, from a range of outcome standpoint, and you started to get, and, and it, I guess kind of reflects, it goes back to what we were talking about um, with medium projections versus range of outcomes. When, mm-hmm. when I tweeted about his ownership, you know, people started replying with why he was a good play, which I completely agreed with all of it. He, he was a good play, but that doesn't Hollywood Brown becoming a slightly better play because Watkins is out again, or the defense is more shorthanded than we expected. None of that makes these other guys like Cooper and Higgins and all of them worse it makes Hollywood Brown slightly better in terms of, of his average outcome, but it shouldn't lead to that big of a gap in ownership. And there's a discrepancy between this and the Millie. You said 28% in the Millie was yeah, kind 28 of the in the Millie, 21 in the slant. Yeah. It's, it's showing you a little bit how some of the sharper fields where there's a lot of 150. I mean, the 150 slant is not a lot of casual money. I know that there was a uh, third place was a single, single bullet, but, I believe it was seven, no, six of the total, what is it? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five of the total not top nine were 150 maxers. And you're looking at so many times every single week where it's very condensed. Uh, you can kind of see the way that the projections are working for some of these 150 players. And, and they're not going to make a bigger stand to, to try to react to Sammy Watkins' out news or trying to like uh, pull the trigger. Maybe in the Millie Maker, everybody sees that and maybe they go a little bit hammer. But they had to already have been there to begin with because I got to be thinking an hour and a half before the slate locks, people were already on Brown, no? Right. And, and I think a big part of it too is probably all of Lamar Jackson's ownership. Um, that was another piece where I think if you look okay. at a lot of 
good tournament players. It's not that Lamar was a bad play, but he was like 20% owned. A lot of guys were just under the field on Lamar. Um, whereas I think, you know, in the middle, you're probably getting a lot more people saying, oh, Lamar's the best quarterback and we're supposed to stack. So now he gets Hollywood Brown in our in, in the lineup as well. So I think that had a lot to do with it too, is when you compare him to the other receivers that had similar outcome, similar range of outcomes, nobody was really playing Baker Mayfield. Nobody was playing Joe Burrow. Uh, nobody was playing Jacoby Brissett. So it made it, I, I think it really pushed up Hollywood's ownership there as well. So uh, like, I think that probably had more to do with it than the late news. I'm sure the late news probably helped a little bit, uh, but um, yeah, it was just, it was just weird. And I, I thought a good spot, like in hindsight, you know, obviously we weren't even projecting the ownership to be that crazy on Hollywood, but like in hindsight, and that's one reason I'm not even like upset about how bad yesterday's poorly uh, yesterday's slate went but like in hindsight if you tell me that the ownership on brown comes in where it did and jackson comes in where it did like i'm playing that slate exactly the same way i did jamming in all of these other mid-range receivers not playing much hollywood not playing much lamar jackson even though he was obviously a good play i played him in cash um and you know yeah i'll take my chances that uh one of the other 21 teams gets there adam joel Embiid got ruled out oh good that saves one position that I have to worry about in NBA. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, who are the other seven guys that we should roster right. <laughs> to win 100K tonight? That is going to be the great question of the day. Uh, unquestionably, though, the, the right answer to, to just about everything as far as who you should be playing any given week is the Awesome Plus tools and content that we have behind the paywall for $29.95 for a weekly pass right now. And using the promo code NFL Lineup Review. Uh, NFL lineup review. That is all caps. One word pulling up on the screen here from the great Jordan Klein sitting behind the glass by far the best producer we have at Osmo named Jordan Klein without question. You get that 25% off of it. You can then check it out for NFL. We're obviously going through all of that here now. Then we also, um, we also love going to uh, all of the uh, NBA content that the boom bus tool is as good as it gets having player projections, ownership projections, we have the premium Discord channel where Loco's keeping you updated on news constantly. You're able to sweat all your lineups, able to talk game theory throughout the day, all hours of the day. We have people in there chatting about sports, chatting about their lineups, wanting to help each other. And that's really what this community is about, is being helpful and not trolling and not being a joke. And so that's kind of what we're looking at building here at Osmo. We already have it, and we want you to be a part of it right now. $29.95 for the weekly pass. Again, 25% off NFL lineup review. Stop guessing, start winning. Okay. Let's jump back over to some of the more popular plays we have here. And then we'll talk some NHA in like 10, 15 minutes as we make the transition over to some of the, um, the exposures for a lot of the players, including High Fiverr, Osimo, DeColtz, Ship My Money. Those will be the core guys. Uh, Rinpak, taking a week off. Congratulations to Rinpak. We don't have to talk about his 100% Patrick Mahomes exposure. It would have been fun. Uh, I don't think he probably had 100%, but uh, no slant, good man. All right, let's go to uh, some of the other plays that we have on this top end. We've talked about defenses. I mean, the Chiefs, you should all know that the Chiefs are going to be crazy chalk there, 2,300 up against uh, a lot of unknowns with Jordan Love there. Uh, Jordan Love is probably worse than advertised. I love it. Uh, you hate to see it as a Viking fan. You just absolutely hate to see it. Uh, T. Higgins, Lamar Jackson, Jarvis Landry. Let's talk Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, because Nick Chubb, was the nuts. You needed Nick Chubb. If you just group it by fantasy points, there's James Conner and huh, again, 0.5% in the slant, but 5% in the million. I really don't know what to tell you about life. Lamar Jackson there, Justin Herbert, Nick Chubb there though, 33.3, by far the highest skill position player that was remotely in play. I thought 
what did you think about him and Jarvis Lantry entering this spot with no El- Odell Beckham Jr. in the offense? I thought they both looked good. I thought it was a game that was relatively likely to have a lot of points as well. Uh, so I got to, to both sides of it a, a pretty good amount. I think I was around the field on Chubb. Uh, yeah, 18% in this. I had 21%. Uh, he's just, I'd actually mentioned him on the, the strategy show with Josh yesterday. We had him projected, I think, at least at that time for a lot less ownership. He ended up getting up to 12%. I think when we did the show at 9 a.m. yesterday, he was at like 7%. And I'd said that I liked him in tournaments just because even though he might not get as many touches as other people, he just, the the ceiling on him is ridiculous. And so I, I thought that he was a really good play. Obviously the ownership came up a bit and he ended up getting even more than, than we had projected him for, which was kind of unfortunate, but uh, yeah, he's kind of just always someone that is going to be a good, at the very least a good tournament option. Like, I don't, I don't think I've rostered the guy in cash games all year because you can't really trust on the, you, you can't count on the same level of workload necessarily as a lot of guys priced around him, but he does the most with his touches. So it always makes him someone where if he is going to be relatively low owned or at least projected to be relatively low owned, he's pretty much always going to be a good play in tournaments because uh, he just hit so many home runs. I played Nick Chubb in cash on fanduel.com. That's where you can go play Nick Chubb in cash at him share. Actually, I might've, I think I have played him there. I, oh, okay. There I, you I, go. I, I try and, yeah. I try and black that side out. <laughs> Well, we can't CSV look at anything. That's not helpful, but uh, not helpful for strategy review. But if you wanted to know, 7,600 Nick Chubb was like first player in along with, uh, who was it? Oh, the Giants running back as well, who I thought was a fantastic play again, uh, Booker. So I want to be talking about Devontae Booker here later on in the program as well. But let's kind of round out some of the more popular plays. Alvin Kamara, we kind of discussed him a little bit at length. Miles Gaskin. Did you react to any Miles Gaskin news? Because, I mean, for me, Jacoby Brissett, he went nuts in garbage time against Tampa Bay in the passing game here. But against Houston, I don't know. I, I liked Miles Gaskin and cash on FanDuel. Again, another FanDuel-specific play. But just kind of unnecessary, I thought, on DK. And then in tournaments, I expected him to be more popular. And sure, 17.1% against Houston, 24.5 team total shift of quarterback before the before the game started i don't know i felt like there were a lot of things i ended up lower on waddle lower on a couple of the miami guys in the aftermath of that news did you react to it at all no not really um i mean i played jalen water sorry i played jacoby Brissett, but i was originally not going to play Tua and play more waddle and i ended up with like more stacks of the two because he was just cheap yeah i was gonna play I liked playing Tua, and then he got ruled out. I ended up playing a good amount of Brissett as well. Um, but yeah, still played Waddle, still played some Gaskin. I was under the field, though. But as far as you know, the play goes, I didn't think it changed too much. It's not like Tua's been great this year anyway. It's not like Brissett is actively bad. Uh, so I, I didn't think it changed a whole lot. You were still facing a bad Houston team. You still, you know, there's still a good chance that, that Gaskin was going to get plenty of opportunities playing from ahead. Uh, he was still pretty cheap. So I didn't think it changed a ton. All right. And last guy to bring up here. So, I mean, Devontae Brooker, we'll talk about with exposures because you obviously liked him too. I'll save that for that portion of the program. But Rondale Moore, 14.6% for him. I thought he was one of the better pieces of value. You would have to assume with Hopkins out, it became him and Kirk. And I liked getting to them. I wish I kind of uh, had a little bit more of the Kirk side of it, obviously. But uh, I still don't regret. He only had seven and a half fantasy points. I didn't see what that exact snap share was. But uh, Rondale Moore, it looks like awesome. It looks like the Colts look like yourself. We're all above the field on that one. Talk to me a little bit about that play. He was just cheap and he's someone that's really, really talented. He can do a lot 
um, you know, as, as far as like explosive plays go, big plays go, uh, we were expecting DeAndre Hopkins not to play. I think that news officially came out partway through the one o'clock slate, but uh, he was projected out anyway. You obviously having Colt McCoy at quarterback makes the offense less dynamic than if Kyler Murray had been playing, but he's still a semi-competent backup that you expected to at least be able to get the ball into his receiver's hands. It's not like it's a situation where you were throwing some complete unknown that has no pedigree or anything in uh, you expected him to at least be able to, you know, complete some short passes, get the ball into Moore's hands. So at the cheap price tag with snaps opening up, even though he doesn't play the same position as Hopkins, you just had, you know, I think more opportunities, more targets, all of that. Um, and an offense where, you know, one of the biggest things holding him back is that you have him competing with Hopkins and green and Kirk, you take Hopkins out. It just makes it a little bit easier. And he was priced for Hopkins to be in basically. All right. Well, those are some of the more popular plays that we had on the slate. I don't want to talk about Kadarius Tony, uh, hashtag regrets. I just don't want to talk about him at all. Um, I suppose we probably have to at some point because Nicole's loved him. I, I liked him more than the average bear for sure. But uh, let's talk NHA for a second as we transition over to some of the exposures. And if we haven't had a chance to play on our sponsor site, NHA, now is a great opportunity to do it. As in tonight, they have the 5K, 2K to first contest that they run pretty much every single primetime game, Monday nights, Thursday nights, Sunday nights. Check it out right now. It's 100% peer to peer. That's how you play over there. You play props over 500 props available at any given time over on NHA. And we have the tools at Osmo to help you kind of facilitate being successful over on that site. We have Odd Shopper, which you can basically compare and shop odds. You have the opportunity to check out the NFL player props tool, the NBA player props tool, because of course they have NBA uh, playing over there as well. They basically have so many of these different tournaments, which are all prop-based. You have them ranked from seven to one, seven being the props you're most confident in, one being the ones you're least confident in. You get points assigned to you based on how they do. You know, you're trying to get all seven right, but in the event that you don't, you want them down there in that one confidence spot so that you don't get too penalized for it and you can still have a very nice cash in that regard. So check it out. Pretty darn good prize pools to be had over there. Pretty good first top prizes as well. And sometimes there's overlay. There's definitely been some overlay on these. So check it out. Help our friends out over at No House Advantage. Beat your friends, not the house. And uh, again, the optimal lineup tool is free. Right now, it's free for NHA. So check that out as well. Go to the App Store, download there, or go to nohouseadvantage.com to play today. And thank you so much to them again for their sponsorship. We really do enjoy working with them. Really good guys behind the scenes that are helping that product along. So uh, thank you again to them. Let's go to the exposure portion of the program. High Fiver, he ended up finishing first. He had 61 caches out of his 150. Again, caches, you can take or leave it, but you're trying to finish first. If you aim first, you're last, for sure. He capped. You can see that he capped his entire lineup pool at 33.3%. That was kind of his decision-making, and it looked like he jammed a lot of the nice chalk pieces that he thought would be really good. And, you know, obviously the, the combination you needed in tournaments was either Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, or you needed Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen. There was no way around it. If you were going to win a tournament, you had one of those pairings. And this one, Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, ended up kind of being the top end for him. But Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, uh, Hunter Renfro, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle, all of them 33.3% on the top end. Uh, what do you think about capping your lineups? I guess this is kind of more of a strategy thing, just kind of looking at it as a whole. Does it really, could you take it or leave it in spots? Yeah, um, I don't. I don't love the strategy if it was like, like if the strategy every slate is we're going to cap at 33%, I really don't like it. Uh, 
anecdotally, my highest owned guy today or yesterday was 32.7%. Yeah, so, look at you, you coward. You yeah, freaking so, hypocrite. Uh, I, I thought that slate kind of shook out where there just weren't a lot of spots where I wanted to take huge stands. I didn't think that there were very many good, like really low owned plays where the field was missing. I didn't think there was a lot of like slam dunk plays that stood out above everyone else around them. Uh, so I, I kind of just thought it was one where I wanted to play a little bit more of some guys, a little bit less than the field of, of other guys, but like I wasn't so much taking huge stands on individual players as I was making like my lineup still, if you go through my lineups, I still had, you know, a good amount of, you know, low owned guy here and there mixed in. So if that's the, the type of approach, you know, I think that on this particular slate, I obviously think that getting, you know, around 33% is your highest stone guy made a lot of sense. So, you know, without knowing who this is or knowing what his strategy is, like, I'm not going to comment on, you know, that, that approach overall, but like, I will say, you know, I think if you're just someone playing 150 lineups and your strategy is no matter what, I'm not rostering more than 33% of anyone like on any slate, then that's going to be a terrible strategy. I usually do it. I'll cap at like 35% for defense and quarterback. I would never really want to get to more of those positions, but then wide receiver running back tight end, I kind of let it roll. However, it kind of comes out in the projections or comes out in the wash. I think that that makes more sense. I want to be able to take some stands here and there in spots. And sure, you know, I I can't think of many examples where I would ever have more than 35% of a quarterback or of a defense uh, barring something like ridiculous, like a, like a 2k chiefs yesterday or something. I mean, they're pretty close, but you know, there's situations like that where you can kind of find some ways around that. Even then I I can't imagine that I would ever get to that kind of a number. So just be aware of that. I I just thought that it was kind of the first thing that I noticed going through it this morning was, well, obviously he hard capped his entire lineup share, but you know, sure. Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, having Nick Chubb 30.7%. That was key. Uh, Pretty obvious that that was the case there. Uh, it was strange. Tyler Conklin, 9.5, the tight end position didn't really do anything of note yesterday. I mean, is tight end the most garbage position in any DFS sport known to man? Yeah, it's, it's brutal. Um, except in, unless it's a primetime game, then it's you know the best position. The absolute nuts. Pruitt F you, you dumbass. I hate you. <laughs> I mean, what a joke yesterday was so dumb that that showdown slate was embarrassing. However, 39 and a half total, seven point spread tonight. Get ready. This optimal could be weird. I'm I'm at least hoping so. That's kind of I don't of... even know who plays tonight. I haven't looked. Oh, cool. Way to go. Uh you're a professional Bear Steelers. <laughs> it's pretty horrendous. Basket basketball and hockey lock first. I'll worry about Oh, that's later. true. That's true. Pittsburgh, fifth and PFF graded defense. I've already put in all my work for that. No, nah, you don't need to check my work. You know that I'm here putting in that work for you all. Uh, put in that work, Devin. Don't give up. I love that commercial. All right, let's keep on going. Uh, looking at the rest of his lineups, though, I mean, yeah, you needed to have that Lamar Jackson-Brown combination or Herbert Allen. We kind of already touched on that. Uh, Albert, Alberto, six and a half fantasy points, 2,600. Seems like he showed up in a lot of winning lineups yesterday. Talk to me. So I I alluded to the tight end position being garbage. Tyler Conklin being up there as well. 2,600. He was the cash du jour, especially on DraftKings. There was no way around him, I thought. But uh, talk to me about that play and about the entire tight end position that we just got done poo-pooing in general. Yeah, it was just a a rough position. And, you know, I think anybody that's that's watched these shows for, for the season realizes that, like, my typical strategy with tight ends is to pay down normally, but to also be getting away from the the most popular paid on option and getting more of the other guys yesterday though, it was tough because 
Um, Albert O was so much like he he was, you know, a thousand dollars less expensive than pretty much anyone else that was viable. Um so it, it just and there wasn't great value at other positions. So, you know, you had a lot of like 5K value, but there weren't, you know, 4K or 3K receivers I really loved. There weren't a lot of 5K running backs that I could mix and match. So uh just using him, I thought really opened up a lot of stuff. And I think you see that across a lot of the, the good 150 max players too, where people that I think are, you know, typically very well aware that the range of outcomes for cheap tight ends is very similar across a lot of guys. They were going pretty heavy on Albert O here just because of what he brought, you know, what he added to your lineup as far as what you could get in. So uh, I thought he made a lot of, of sense. And it was a spot where, you know, I kind of, when I looked at my exposures after lock, it was just like, damn, I actually, I've really played, you know, 20% of this $2,600 guy. That's probably going to suck, but uh, it, it just made your lineups look a lot better. So I, I am, I do feel better now that I look at some other names and they also played a lot of him. So we have somebody, and again, this isn't rent free in my head. This isn't anything. This is just something that I want to say. And this is, this is to you specifically, the person that keeps spamming, putting the dislike button down. You're pathetic. You're a pathetic person and you need to get a life because I tell you what, we're just trying to be helpful. We're trying to give you great advice for free in front of a paywall, giving you an opportunity to learn. And we've got 136 people in here. They're fantastic. Oh my God, look at this. Oh, he's spamming again. As I'm saying this, this is just, this is just incredible. I'm loving this. What I need 140 of you to do right now is hit the like button because fuck this guy. I'm just telling you right now, this is an absolute joke. You're pathetic. You need to get a life. You need to get out of your mom's basement, go get some sunshine, take a walk around and think about the decisions that brought you to the point where you're creating accounts on YouTubes just to just fire off doing whatever, to get rid of whatever animosity you have. Go get therapy, go get yourself some help and have a fantastic day. All right. I enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it too, hit that like button. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Here we go. Let's continue on down the board here, giving people the fantastic free advice Hopefully we can teach some people some things, help them make some money. And thank you so much again to our sponsor, NHA. Uh, love having them along for the ride for this one. Uh, it got really fun here. I'm looking at Justin Jefferson. He was my favorite wide receiver play on the entire board. High five was 16%. Uh, he was not your favorite wide receiver play on the board. 1.3% Osmo, 2%. The Colts, 7.3%, I guess, at the field. Uh, I, I just felt like they would kind of uh, alter it. And they went to him in the first quarter. And then it just kind of disappeared. It became a non-factor. And I hate the Minnesota Vikings. So that's something to say. Oh, good. Joel Embiid entered health and safety protocols. Oh my God. Do we even play NBA DFS the next two weeks? This is just going to be all time ridiculous, but here we go. Drum uh, has to be like 10 K by the end of the next two weeks. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking also, this is the best version of Drummond I've ever seen. Like watching him. Andre Drummond might've like improved underneath. Now that Joel Embiid, the one guy who lives rent free right. in, in, in Drummond's head is on his team. I think that that helps for sure. Like it's, it's a different dude, but anyway, I'm continuing down the rest of this board and Brandon cooks, super popular 14.2%. That was a guy that you were finally over on. So this is exciting. He's kind of flat there. Uh, no way around it. There were so many different good wide receiver plays. You can kind of spread it out there. And I want to talk to, about some of your favorite ones. Cause you actually made some stands. This guy, again, capped his lineups, played a lot of the best chalk. No problem with that on this slate for sure. And looking at his winning lineup, uh, let's kind of round out his section by looking at those lineups. His winning lineup was Lamar Jackson, Dalvin cook, 18.2. Uh, Nick Chubb, 
33, you needed him. Hunter Renfro, Marquise Brown, T. Higgins, Tyler Conklin, 10%. Keenan Allen, Browns. The Browns were his lowest owned play in that lineup, 5%. Keenan Allen is second lowest at basically 10%. I mean, that's a pretty chalky lineup to finish up top. Yeah. Um, like, it's a good lineup. I mean, there's, you know, he's got the um, Jackson plus Hollywood Brown piece. Uh, you you needed that thanks to overtime. Uh, Jackson was getting there anyway, but Hollywood wasn't. Uh, so that that obviously helped. You used the uh, Conklin run back, which at Conklin and Cook. So you you had you know two pieces from Minnesota. I think that all makes sense. Uh, Renfro was a good value. Keenan Allen was relatively low owned and gave you plenty of upside. So I like that play. Uh, I, T Higgins was my highest owned guy, so obviously I like that a lot. He positively correlates with Nick Chubb as well. So you get that, you know, sort of mini stack in there. The only like semi weird spot, you know, was Higgins plus the Browns, but that's not even something that like, like I personally don't do it just because I know I'm playing almost every defense anyway. I would rather just have my defenses not be with opposing players, but it's not even like it's that big of a deal, especially if you're doing it with receivers on a full PPR site, because it's very easy for the receiver to have a good game, especially a cheap one like Higgins, you know, catches six balls, 115 yards, maybe scores a touchdown. It's not really a big deal. Um, and then you still get the interception, which is or the, the pick six, which is what really is the make or break for any defense. We talk about that a lot. So, you know, even though I don't do it, that's not a spot where I'm looking at it going like, oh, that was a bad play or anything. It's just, it's my preference not to, but um, I think that it's not a big deal having something like that. So just overall, I thought, you know, a, a good lineup. Like you said, nobody, um, there was no crazy, really low owned guy, but, I also didn't really think this was the slate for that. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. when I talked about my exposures, I just didn't think there was a lot of, there weren't a lot of really standout, like way better than the other players around them type plays, but there also weren't really a lot of, you know, oh, this guy's going to be 2% and the field's totally wrong. Like I thought for the most part, the guys that were 2% were just like really shitty plays. <laughs> Donovan Peoples-Jones got there. How about that? How about that, yeah, yeah. huh? No Odell goes deep bomb baker mayfield i i was happy that baker mayfield could go and throw that out i think anybody who's watched these shows know i'm not exactly a baker uh not exactly an odell beckham jr truther i would say would be the right way of putting that uh that's also to say he's garbage so best of luck to him in his next endeavors he's gonna end up in the bucks and then putting up crazy numbers alongside all four of those dudes and brady's gonna throw 500 yards a game and make me feel stupid but you know such is life hunter renfro uh looks like awesome we're gonna group by awesome exposures Hunter Renfro, his highest expound, 46%. I thought that that was pretty sharp. Obviously, you had to feel really good after that first quarter touchdown. And then kind of didn't add as much as you were maybe hoping on the back end of that. That was a quick way for him to get there, though, for sure. Uh, Rondale Moore there, 36.7%. I was glad that he was on that play as well. I thought that that was a fantastic piece of value, new situation. I was willing to embrace a little of that risk, especially because I didn't think the ownership would get there. It was a little bit lower than this 14.6% in the milli. Ezekiel Elliott, 31.3%. Oh, DeColtz, I just noticed that. That's not fun. Chiefs, 28% Alvin Kamara. Darren Waller as well. Devontae Booker. I mean, the Booker play. So I, I want to talk about him. I thought he was the best running back play especially over on a site like Yahoo, where he was $15. It made a lot of sense to get to a lot of him. I'm assuming you played Yahoo yesterday too, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Devontae I, have no Booker. Idea. I have no idea who I played. Oh, okay. Well, that's fun. That's useful. Devontae Booker though, uh, looks like 22.7% for him as well. That was, You were basically doubled the projected ownership. He ended up a little bit higher on than that. I thought he was a sharp play. Talk to me about him alongside some of these Vegas wide receivers and Waller, of course. Yeah. I, I thought Booker was, 
getting into lineups for several reasons. For one, he just projected well at 5,900. He's getting a lot of opportunities for the Giants. Um, it was a game with a reasonable, you know, 47-point total. But then also he, you know, correlated well. Like you could use him with uh, Renfro. You could use him with Waller. You could use him, you know, in your uh, Raider stacks as a runback piece. So I, I thought that, you know, from a correlation standpoint, he made some sense. From a projection standpoint, he made some sense. Um, I considered playing him in cash on DraftKings. He was in some of the the lineups I considered playing. So I just thought he was a solid piece where he gave you a decent ceiling. He, uh, his median projection was good. He had a decent floor and he wasn't projected for a ton of ownership. Only 11% projected ownership only came in at about 15%. So yeah, I just thought that he was a piece that, that fit well for, you know, a couple of different reasons. A guy. So my guy that I was thinking about playing in cash and you, you probably saw, cause again, I was bouncing ideas back and forth for things. Carlos Hyde, was 4,900. And if I wanted to try to get to Tyreek Hill, I thought that he was a legitimate path, but I thought he was maybe a little bit too low owned, especially in like a cash format. I didn't want to risk having my day be made or bought by like a 2v2 or a 3v3 to try to jam in Tyreek Hill. I ended up not playing him in cash. It was a freaky feeling, but uh, ended up obviously working out in that regard. But I thought if I was going to play Hill that I needed to sacrifice a running back to get Carlos Hyde. Instead, I just played way over the field on Carlos Hyde in tournaments. Looks like 16% for you, 22% for Awesome as well. Looking around these Buffalo players that obviously failed, and that was obviously not a plus. I was kind of hoping Carlos Hyde would get some passing game work. They didn't really need to. It was a close game. They kind of just... It was one of the ugliest football games you'll ever see in your entire life. But uh, talk to me specifically about Carlos Hyde on this slate. He wasn't... There, there was nothing – this is one of those plays where like, there was nothing about it where you look at it and you're just like, I think Carlos Hyde's going to have a good game today against the Bills. But he was 4,900 and not getting ownership on a slate where, you know, again, I just didn't think there were that many really low-owned pieces that looked good. You at least had someone that had a path to success. Like, he was the kind of guy where there was a pretty decent chance that, you know, by, by 4 o'clock – all of DFS Twitter is just bitching about how Carlos Hyde scored two one-yard touchdowns and, you know, like whatever. <laughs> would have like been so fun for us. Oh, my God. Right. The, oh. the opportunities were going to be there where if you were popular, if you were, you know, projected for 20% yeah. ownership, you run the other direction so quickly because it's really it was really, really easy to see how he could have a game like he did where he doesn't really do anything. But the upside to getting a cheap running back at low ownership and like when they do well, it just pays off so well because it gives you a contrarian piece that also ends up being a really, really good value, lets you get a bunch of high, high upside guys in your lineup elsewhere. Uh, so I, I thought that it was just, it, it was worth the risk as far as what else it got, you know, into my lineups, um, what else, you know, I was able to, to do. And then it also, part of the other reason that I had a lot of him was that I did have a pretty good amount of Allen, Diggs, Beasley. So there wasn't a whole lot in terms of passing game. I wanted to run back from Jacksonville. Uh, so he just ended up in some of those bill stacks. Yeah. I thought he was a really sharp play 22% there for Osimo. I mean, and 16% for you, 10% for the Colts, all two X the field or greater. I thought it was a really good play uh, just because of the late news, getting James Robinson out of there. I assumed he was going to be out the whole week, but you just kind of never knew. And when you don't have the exact, uh, the exact number coming in there, it's, it's, it is what it is. Chase Edmonds, Oh, that's so sad. I thought he was in a, I thought he was the running back you wanted, not freaking James Connor ends up getting hurt. And then James Connor takes over the world. Yeah. Doesn't, never feels great when, because he was one of my highest stone guys too. 
Uh, I had 22% at 10% ownership. Never feels great when uh, the guy, like obviously never feels great when your, your guy gets hurt, like the first, first possession of the game anyway. Yeah. But then when the backup scores 40 points and wins a millie maker. So, uh, well, not, not only that, here's the thing. Let's talk late slate for one second. So there were three games in the late slate. In that main tournament, he was like under 25%. I had 50% of him on the main slate. I had like, or not the main slate, the afternoon slate. I had like, I don't know, 4% Connor. So yep. yeah, that, that, again, like I said, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to football yesterday. Um, the, you know, the main slate was its own thing. And then the afternoon slate, I'm like, all right, you know, we'll get, we'll try and get some money back here. And like, by the, before I even get up from my computer, it's like Chase Edmonds is hurt. I was like, okay, well, don't need to pay attention to these games either. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. All right. Before we get over and group your exposure to kind of round this entire, uh, this entire show out. Yeah, went through some of the top of Osmo here. We'll look at the Colts. Obviously the 69.3% Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, it's, it's tough. I mean, that he Cowboys put up a dud. There's really not a whole lot you can do about that in this spot, but I want to do Osmo hall of fame. And then we will kind of uh, finish this entire thing up with the worst lineup. So uh, we'll, we'll do the worst lineup of the winner. Like we've done on every show together here in the last couple of weeks, Adam, but Osmo hall of fame is a great way to kind of be involved with the community, get some free stuff too, while you're at it, because when you have a success, when you finish in the top three of any contest over 5k contestants, Tweet to Osimo HOF. It's on Twitter, Osimo HOF, and you can get one free month of Osimo Plus Platinum completely free to you. Uh, you simply just put your screenshot up there on Twitter. You're all set to go. Doesn't get a lot easier or a lot better than that. So check it out. Uh, really appreciate everybody uh, sending those screenshots in. It's so great to see. Probably the favorite part about this job. Uh, as much as I love YouTube chat, I absolutely love the Osmo Hall of Fame and seeing everybody be successful. So appreciate you guys hitting us up with those. And now let's jump over to Adam. Ship my money's exposures for the day. T. Higgins, 32.7%. Jarvis Landry, 31%. That's a guy that you liked as well. Amari Cooper. So three mid-level wide receivers, three pretty cashy guys, you know, 20, 18.8, 23%. All guys that I thought were very strong cash considerations, kind of being more condensed there, not trying to take shots on the 2%, 3% guys. Like you said, you were true to form in that regard. Darren Waller, Mike Jasicki, again, trying to make some tight ends a thing. I thought two tight ends was probably the most viable. It's been in a long time on this slate. I think we kind of talked about that a little bit before the show as well. Uh, did you have uh, how much too tight end people love talking about this stuff, even though it's more of just like, what does the slate present? But did you kind of logically come into it saying, Hey, two tight ends, I'm fine with it this week. I wouldn't say fine. Um, I, I always, or pr I pretty much always make it so I can only get one of the cheap tight ends. And then I, you know, I'll allow for like Kelsey Waller, basically Pitts to be in the flex spot. Normally I just end up not really d not doing that. Cause it just doesn't work out that way. But because you had Waller being a bit less expensive and you also just didn't have a ton of like great options. I didn't think I just ended up getting a little bit more of that naturally this week than I normally do. I don't know what percentage I had, but I do know it was a lot more than I typically have a lot more than I was comfortable with. Cause as I'm scrolling through lineups, it's just like, damn it. Why do I keep having this? I thought I would have it like a little bit, but uh, it's just one of those. I think that the fact that I got, to as much of it as I did makes me think that it was just kind of perfectly fine on this slate because normally, like I said, I set the same rules this week as I always do. And normally I just don't get that. And this week I did. So um, I feel fine with it, even though it didn't really work. Yeah. I, I usually just remove the tight end most weeks. This is the first time that I can remember. I just kind of kept it in. I knew it wouldn't overlap as much. 
Um, I also kind of like hand went through some of the lineups. I had enough time. Like, you know, we get up pretty early in the morning. You're on that show at like 6 a.m. my time. Uh, you and Josh getting the the four hour uh, leading up to lock show uh, kind of started off on the right foot. And so, I mean, we were up early enough where, you know, you're able to start getting some of those lineups and tweak it a little bit. And then you get live and then you get a bunch of the inactives and it's like, Oh, scratch that. I'm just going to crunch it all. And whatever happens happens. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult, uh, it's a difficult thing. It's it's some bend and break trying to figure out exactly um, for the two tight end kind of weeks like this Dallas Goddard, probably underpriced for the kind of play that he could have been 7.3. I could have just as easily seen him go nuts in a spot. It ended up being Devonta Smith day uh, as the run back for sure. Along with Keenan Allen, uh, Justin Herbert there in that spot. But some of these other plays that I'm looking at here, I want to actually group it and reverse it to some of the plays that were more popular that you were a little bit lower on Austin Eckler. I love that you were a little bit lower there. Chiefs defense. We say it all the time where, you know, I, I think Osimo's approach was just fine at 28%. I think your approach, 16%, and DeColt's 4.7%. I think there were so many ways to look at the Chiefs defense. I think it really came down to how chalky the rest of your lineup was, um, you know, or how chalky your exposures were going to be in a lot of ways there. What was your logic as far as just like, I mean, we talk about defense all the time, just be lower on the chalk defenses, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I still... I got a decent amount of, of Kansas city, like 16% for a defense for me, especially if they're popular, it's still kind of a lot. Um, but I, I just thought they were still a good value. Like you had a spot against uh, Jordan love where there was a good chance. Green Bay's offense was just going to suck. Uh, there wasn't a ton of, weren't a ton of other cheap defenses that I, I really wanted to get to. I didn't want to pay up for defenses. I pretty much never do. Uh, so like I was over the field on Cleveland, for example, I think I was over the field on the Vikings, but it's not like I played a ton of them. So uh, Cleveland just still, or the chiefs rather just still fit pretty easily into lineups. Uh, so didn't get quite as much um, of them as the field did, but still, I think probably my highest on defense. Yeah. I got to say, you want to talk about NFL DFS in a, in a microcosm. I love your lineups. I think these are probably, you've had successful weeks when we've talked about your lineups. I think that this is probably one of the better batches of lineups that I've seen out of you. And you lost $800 on this, on this <laughs> tournament. So like, if you just want to kind of round out your exposures, just rounding out, talking about this, like hindsight, like, is there anything that you would change about your process from this week? No, I thought for me, this was kind of just a throwaway week. Like there's, um, I think it was a year or two ago. I, I saw a show that um, Drew Dinkmeyer was on and he said something that just made a lot of sense to me because I think, especially when you do um, lineup review type stuff, or, you know, if you're someone that, that's still trying to improve and get better, I think one of the hardest things about DFS is figuring out, you know, so I had a really bad week. Did I do anything wrong? Is there anything I need to learn and change? Or was it just like a bad week? And he said something on a show where, you know, he just hadn't come remotely close to winning a tournament. And he's looking at, you know, who was in the lineups at the top or the way that the teams were constructed. And he was just like, I was never going to win this week by design. Like my strategy just there's going to be weeks where my strategy, you know, in in that context, he was talking about um going heavy on like on, on stacking. But you know, the the main takeaway for me was that you have to be able to distinguish between a week where your strategy, like where you just were not going to get there. And if you try and replicate what won that week, it's going to make you actively worse going forward. Like you're not going to make as much money going forward. Um, I think to me, this was one of those weeks. Uh, it was just a throwaway week where uh, a lot of stuff happened that 
I was never going to be on. I was never going to get to. I know that over the course of a season, um, I, the lineups that I built going back, looking through them, um, you know, I don't, there's not a whole lot that I look at and I'm just like, Oh, what was I doing? You know, like I'm perfectly happy that I had a good amount of low on Jalen hurts with Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard stacks. Um, I'm perfectly happy that, you know, I had um, a, a lot of cheap Jacoby Brissett with what I thought was good chalk in Waddle cooks, Jasicki. Uh, that I thought was a high upside spot that I'm happy I got to. I'm certainly not upset that I played a lot of the bills against the Jaguars. None of it worked out, but like, like you said, you know, I appreciate the compliment on, on my lineups, but going through my lineups, like I'm not looking at anything and going like, damn, why did I have so much of that? You know, why, why was, why do my lineups look like this? Uh, my lineups sucked, but there's not, there's not a whole lot. When I look at my lineups and when I look at what succeeded, there's not really anything where I'm just like, oh, wow, I made a mistake uh, not being here or not doing this. It kind of just was a shit week. And that's about all that I'm taking away from it. Yep. It's process over results, even though we want to get the results. But uh, again, I, there's nothing that I could possibly say about your lineups. Maybe a little bit more Lamar Jackson. That's about all that I really have for notes uh, from the teacher. Uh, again, I'm not teaching. Yeah. And I, but like, even yeah. so like even that, and, and I agree, like, you know, I thought Lamar Jackson was a great play. The issue for me there was I wasn't going to run any naked Lamar Jackson. Right. And cause I just, I, I don't like, I, I think you obviously can, I think it's fine. But when you start looking at who I'm going to pair him with Bateman was getting plenty of ownership. We already talked about Hollywood Brown. Granted Hollywood Brown was not projected for the ownership that he got, but um, even still, you know, he was projected for like 10% ownership at 16% more expensive than guys like Higgins. Um, mm-hmm. Andrews was getting ownership. You know, about you know the same I think uh, similar projection to somebody like Waller at a similar price tag seven hundred dollars less expensive so like the reason I, I know the reason I got to less Lamar Jackson was because I didn't like the entire I, I didn't like the ownership relative to you know everything else I could do going to the entire you know Jackson plus Hollywood or Jackson Hollywood Bateman or whatever so like even there you know I agree I could have played Lamar uh, like played more Lamar but I didn't want. 20% of that stack at, mm-hmm. at ownership, basically. That's understandable. Yeah, it's it's more of maybe just like individual play, looking at the boom bust tool, number of different factors. Again, th- everything about your lineups made a lot of sense. I don't think that there's a single thing that I could say, man, that doesn't that doesn't follow. That that, that doesn't track, um, regardless of results, regardless of anything else. So uh, well done by you. Also, sorry you lost money. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Daniel Jones, to round it out here, looking at the very, very bottom here. Oh, my God. I'm just loving the NBA news coming in. Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson questionable. Buckle up, folks. We're looking at High Fiver, his worst lineup of the day, because, you know, nothing better than poking holes in, in the guy that just got done winning over 15K <laughs> in a tournament. Uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me, but bottom lineup for him, Daniel Jones, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, Brian Edwards, Brian Edwards with a zero. Uh, I was over the field on him. I'm a dunce. Here we are. Jarvis Landry, Kadarius Tony. Oh, what a failure of a human. Uh, Tyler Conklin, Kadarius Tony's going to be fine. He's fine. Tyreek Hill, 7,900 and Bengals defense with their negative two, uh, Bengals. Uh, sometimes they look great. Sometimes maybe good. Sometimes maybe sheet. a little bit of that. Uh, I love that one. Uh, that's pretty much all there is to say. I mean, he still won a ton of money, but that lineup ain't ideal. It, but even that, like, it's a good lineup. Um, yeah. I, I thought, and I don't even know how much of him I played. I thought Brian Edwards at ownership compared to Hunter Renfro made a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you know, Renfro obviously was good, but Edwards is really talented, certainly had the potential to, to 
make big plays uh, clearly didn't work out, but I, I thought that he just made a lot of sense. Um, Tony, you know, again, I was way under the field on him, but I understand why people played him, especially if you're playing Daniel Jones. Uh, Tony was a pretty logical play. Eckler, Camara, pretty self-explanatory. Landry looks good. Conklin, you know, again, perfectly fine option. Tyreek Hill, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, yeah, shit lineup, but, you know, well-constructed. The plays all made sense. You're not looking at it saying like, yeah, that lineup's going to lose every single time. Mm. Well, congrats to High Fiver. Big week, big, big tournament here for sure. Well done by you. Um, thanks for letting us review your lineups too. Uh, joining them to the awesome fray. Adam, any final words for the people as we kind of get out of here? I'll have the NBA deep dive out in a couple of hours. I'll be back for the NBA deeper dive at 445 with Lofty. Best of luck writing that article. Uh, looks like fun. Uh, that's Nick Center situation. Could be, well, it's just going to be Julius Randle for 45 minutes, right? That's what Tibbs does. But either way. Uh, no, you got, you'll, you'll get Taj Gibson back, right? Oh, yeah, you will. That's great. That's right. Oh, Look I didn't you. see. I missed the Mitchell Robinson news. Yeah, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel and, like, life. That'll be great. Go Andre Drummond. That's all I have to say. Here we go. Osmo betting show. That's coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Aton Ben. We've got then 2 p.m. Fantasy football show coming up after that on the Fantasy Football Channel. So you got to go to the Odds Channel. Hit subscribe. Fantasy Football Channel. Hit subscribe. Then starting back up here on the main network, we've got 3 p.m. Eastern time, that Yahoo live show. Matt McCarthy. Uh, then we got Matt Savoka on that one. Uh, Pete McCarthy, excuse me, and Matt Savoka. Deeper Dive, as you said, coming up there 4.15 p.m. Eastern time. Then NBA Deeper Dive, NBA Live Before Lock, and then NFL Showdown. I'll be on that with Savoka and Neil Orfield. Check all of that out, guys. This was an absolute blast. Please hit that like button as we get out of here. Come back. Uh, absolute Troll Fest 2021. Really enjoyed it, though. We'll see you guys later.